0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Kilmarnock's 28-year stay in the top flight comes to an end as Dundee reach the Premiership. Mickey Mellon officially departs Dundee United and Scotland under-21 boss Scott Gemmells tipping the young stars to shine at Euro 2020. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Roger Hanna. Yeah, the season's over. Kilmarnock are down. We know who's going to be in which division in the SPFL next season, Andrew. What we don't know is who's going to be in many of the dugouts. 42 clubs, nine of them tonight are looking for new managers Celtic Dundee United and Ross County in the top flight Inverness Dunfermline Falkirk Alloa Dumbarton and even Kelty Hearts so as Gordon Dale's official agent you'll know where to get me if you're looking for him Loads of talking points tonight So make sure to get involved 0141 951 1025 Kilmarnock fans We want to hear from you What did you make of the performance last night? What do you make of life in the Championship Starting next season? Dundee fans You'll be in the Premiership next season What do you make of that? And a managerial merry-go-round As Roger touched on as well So 0141 951 1025 If you want to get in touch on the phones Or you can send us a tweet At Clyde SSB But there's only one place to start Roger Kilmarnock relegated from the Premiership last night Dundee Taking their place 4-2 aggregate win for them A couple of early goals In that tie last night Strengthened Dundee's lead From the first leg And In terms of a performance From Kilmarnock Completely uninspiring Oh they were horrible They were horrible In both legs Um, Full credit to Dundee Congratulations to them In coming up Into the Premiership After a two year absence But for Kilmarnock They just didn't Perform at all In either leg They deserve to go down and there will be massive changes, I would imagine. It's the first time in 28 years Kilmarnock haven't been in the top flight. First time in over a thousand games Kilmarnock haven't been in the top flight. Um, where the supporters have been used to a diet of Rangers, Celtic and Aberdeen, it's now going to be a diet of Arbroath, Queen of the South and four derbies a season against Air United. I remember speaking to Tommy Wright when he first came into the job at Kilmarnock and one of the first things he said that they needed to sort out was defensive errors He said they've had too many individual errors Too many defensive mistakes And that's been costing them all season He said if we can sort that out He was pretty confident they would stay up And then you look at the evidence Over the two most important games of the season Four goals really That were all just completely avoidable Yeah they were The, the defending for the two goals last night Was terrible A mistake by Brandon Hounstrup For the first goal uh, Zeno Ibsen Rossi Tripping over Kurt Broadfoot to allow a free header for Lee Ashcroft for the second goal But that, as you say, has been the story of Kilmarnock's season If it's not Colin Doyle throwing them in, it's Danny Rogers throwing them in I remember covering a game, I think it was just a New Year home game against St Mirren They were on their way to a victory Danny Rogers spilled one over his own line deep into added time And it's just been the story of the season Whereas Kilmarnock, not so long ago, had a back four of Stephen O'Donnell, Kirk Broadfoot, Stuart Finlay and Greg Taylor Four Scotland internationals They just haven't really replaced three of them Kirk Broadfoot's a couple of years older now And with the diminishing quality in the defence They concede more goals and they go down well, there's a lot to dissect in that and in Kilmarnock's season So we'll get to that in a second And we'll get to the phones as well But let's hear from Tommy Wright first He took a swipe at his players After their relegation to the Championship was confirmed Obviously uh, losing to Dundee last night Dropping out of the top plate for the first time since 1993 We didn't do enough We didn't do enough There's not. There's too many players Haven't turned up And not only in the two playoff games um, They haven't turned up all season Because 
I think tonight, uh, if you count that as two league games, that's 24 defeats in, in 40 games. That says a lot, and, and, and um, that says a lot about the squad. First day I was in here, I told them, if you do the basics well, defend well, take responsibility, you can stay in the league. But we haven't done that. We haven't done that. They haven't done it all season. I say too many defeats. All, you know, if you look at it, we just turned three, four, five of those defeats into, into, into wins. And that needs a mental strength and a mental capacity to, to actually do things, you know, games that you're not doing well. They actually see it out and win it and do the right thing and do the basics well and defend well and fight, fight for your team. It doesn't happen. You could really sense a, an anger or frustration from Tommy Wright last night when he was doing his post-match interviews. Yeah, that, at one stage he sort of blurted out, they don't listen. Um, so that tells you about the frustration in the dressing room. Um, the only positive for Tommy Wright is he won't have to work with that dressing room again. I would expect enormous cuts in personnel. I would think almost everyone who is out of contract will leave the football club. There are precious few still in contract. So when Kilmarnock kick off in the championship, Come end of July, start of August, the team will be unrecognisable from the one that Tommy Wright's had to deal with in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it's just five Kilmarnock players that are under contract for next season. Brandon Hounstrup, Aaron McGowan, there's Rory McKenzie and Alan Power. And today, Ennis Cameron, young Ennis Cameron, signed uh, a new deal, extended his stay at the club. Uh, the players have been in talks with Tommy Wright today over whether they will be offered new deals or not. As you say, you'd probably expect a, a lot of them won't, but it'll be interesting to to see what comes of that. If you've got any thoughts on that, Kilmarnock fans, anyone else? 0141951 Simon is a Kilmarnock fan up first. Simon, it's probably a silly question, but how are you feeling today? Yeah, I think I've went... Uh, hi guys, first of all. Hi, um uh, I think I've went through the seven stages of grief already, uh, and I'm at the stage of acceptance now. It's uh, <clears throat> it's been coming, and not just I don't mean just you know the times where we've narrowly avoided relegation in the past. I mean in the last few years with the lack of succession planning and the absolute shambles that has been headed by Billy Bowie, a man who shouldn't be exempt for criticism just because he appointed Steve Clark. Uh, there's a lot, a lot to go into, uh, but I'll, I'll talk about the game first and then I'll go into the, the, the wider issues if that's all right. Um, I think the first goal last night is an absolute microcosm of our season. Uh, Ross Millen, a, a throw in high up the, the right flank. Ross Millen takes a throw, takes ages to take it. We bring extra defenders up. I mean, there's no need for that. It's right at the start of the game. It's, it's, just, it's just silly. There's no need to do that. Um, Ross Millen decides to throw it straight to Charlie Adam. Uh, he just puts it up the park and then I think it was three on two uh, for Dundee. Uh, why were we pushing so many defenders up the park when Dundee were leaving men high up? They must James McPeak must have been on the, the touchline laughing when he saw that. Uh, it's such an absolute microcosm of our season that we've had six red cards this season, which is the most in the league. Uh, we were relegated by two points. So it's not really outlandish for me to suggest that if we hadn't had as many of those red cards that some of the defeats might have been turned into draws or win, even wins and we would have picked up the, the points that would have kept us in the league. But last night was just a... Last night and a, a Thursday night was an absolute shambles. It was a team who didn't want to win. It was a team who didn't care because they were all out of contract. It's a team who, if they were half as good as they thought they were, we wouldn't be in this position. Uh, it's a... As I said, it's just a team who didn't look like they wanted to win. And from a Kilmarnock fan perspective, when we've not been able to get in all season, I wasn't lucky enough to get one of the tickets. But from a Kilmarnock perspective, you know, the very least he expects from a f football team is that they're going to try. 
and it really didn't look like they did. You used a very interesting phrase at the start, Simon, succession planning after Steve Clark. Now, Billy Bowie did really well. He won the lottery when he got Steve Clark, third in the league, into Europe, transformed the fortunes of the club, got the entire town rallying behind him. But his next appointment was Angelo Alessio. And if there's a coach further removed from Steve Clark in terms of the way he wanted to play the game and the, the way he saw Kilmarnock building for the future, then I, I can't imagine who that coach would be. Um, I don't understand why Billy Bowie, having struck on what was a successful formula for Kilmarnock, suddenly decided to go in a completely different direction, then realised he had made a mistake, tried to reverse, went with Alec Dyer, who was Steve Clark's trusted assistant, um, didn't really seem to get recruitment right. You'd be able to tell me, when was the last young Kilmarnock player to come through from the youth system into the first team and be a success? He then pulled the plug on Alec Dyer and brought in Tommy Wright, who... To be fair to Tommy Wright, is probably more like Steve Clark in terms of the way he builds a team, the pragmatic approach he takes to playing the football. But you get Tommy Wright in far too late. He didn't have a transfer window. He couldn't bring in players that he needed to try and get the team back to what he would have liked and that probably Steve Clark would have liked. So you're right, tonight Billy Bowie should not be immune from criticism. Simon, is that the most frustrating thing for Kilmarnock fans that, you know, you talk about the, the lack of succession planning that, you know, Kilmarnock fans have, have seen this sort of, you know, steady decline for a while now and you feel as if nothing has, has really been done to change it? Yeah, Roger made a couple of good points there, but I, I disagree wholeheartedly with his uh, assessment that Angelo Alessio was the wrong man. He, we decided to go for a different tact. We were promised Angelo Alessio were going to bring in a director of football or a head of football operations. That didn't happen until November. Angelo Alessio had no prior experience of signing players. Uh, so the whole plan was, you know, he was going to come in for three years. He was going to change the, the ethos of the club. He wasn't able to do that because of player power. And that is Gary Dicker, Kurt Broadfoot, Stephen O'Donnell, who's now left. You know, you just have to look at their comments in the press. After Angelo Alessio left, it's a disgrace, especially Gary Dicker's comments. I'm sure Roger will know the one I'm referring to that I can't say on the radio. Um Gary Dicker is the club captain. You know, you don't come out and say stuff like that. It's just it's unprofessional, and that is the that is the you know one of the main reasons. You mentioned there you give the job to Alex Dyer. You know, the season that was truncated because of COVID, it was crystal clear to everyone that Alex Dyer wasn't the man. It was it was plainly obvious, and you just had to look at the squad, the age of the squad. A good business, not even just talking about football, but a good business capitalises when they're on top, capitalises when their product and their, is at the highest point in the public's eyes. Kilmarnock was third. It's the highest we're ever going to get, let's be honest. We're never going to you know, get into one, second or first in the league. So third is the highest we're going to get. We needed to capitalise on that, invest in the squad, invest in new players. Yet, Kurt Broadfoot, he was part of a really good team, as was Gary Dicker. But you could see towards the end of Steve Clark's uh, time they were running on fumes. It was obvious during Angelo Alessio's time they were, you know, they were done. And then this season, especially, it's been it's been an absolute shambles to the fact that they're still playing regularly. Both of them, they're neither of them are good enough anymore, and they have too much say and sway over the dressing room. And that in itself, you know, you look at the the situation with Yusuf Malumbu as well. It's no, you know, surprise. I'm sure Roger will have heard the rumours and heard the, the discussions as well that there are several cliques at Kilmarnock. That's not healthy. And the fact that he said that the players don't listen, 
you know, the players aren't listening to anyone but themselves and their pals in the dressing room. No manager in the world, nobody would be able to fix that. And he's a complete, just everybody out the door. There's some players I would offer contracts to. I know Roger said he doesn't expect any. There's some who I would offer contracts to. Chris Buck deserves another year, especially in Championship. Greg Kilty, I would keep. He's done well in the Championship before. I'd offer a contract to Kyle Lafferty, not don't you know go through the boat through everything at him. Uh, if he hope, wants to stay, hopefully he's enjoying his football and maybe you would happy happily play a season in the championship. I'm not sure, but yeah, the most of the squad needs to go, especially the you know the troublemakers, and we just need to a clean slate, start bringing some youth players through as well, sign some players that are used to the championship. Guys like Tam O'Brien are both who've been brilliant for years in the lower leagues deserve an opportunity and mix that with some experienced pros and some young players and we might actually stand a chance Difficult league to get out of I heard um, John Nelms at ND, MD mentioning how you know relieved he was to get out after two seasons but it took Hibs three seasons it took Dundee United four seasons the last time you won't want to hear this Simon I'm not sure what age you are but the last time Kelly were down they were down for ten years so it is a notoriously difficult division to get out of so Tommy Wright needs to get it right well, thank you to Simon 01419511025 is the number you need or you can get us on Twitter at Clyde SSB and while there's a lot of upset Kilmarnock fans there will be some very happy Dundee fans and one of those is Ali in Kilsyth yeah. Ali I'm sure uh, you're feeling uh, I was going to say feeling good today but you might have a bit of a sore head No no I never had a drink because I was driving the day but listen uh, James McPake he deserves a lot of credit uh, beginning of the season we never thought he would get there because he was just a, a new manager he was learning we gave him stick and at one stage I thought if we were to get to the Premier League we'd need Paul Daniels we'd need a magician <laughs> to get us in the Premier League but we got there and it's so credit to him and Charlie Adams is a boy who Dundee fan and he last last week he scored in front front of his end fans for the first time after two minutes. He was ecstatic and he'll know he's a leg next year, but if he comes on for half an hour, twenty five minutes latterly the the games I think he'll be alright. Uh, Ali he didn't have the legs this year, that was why they put um Sean Byrne one side of him and Jordan McGee the other side of him. They they did all his running and he just he, he almost sat in that quarterback position if you like it and pulled the strings and I, I don't see any reason why if Burnley and McGee are on the side of him, he can't take that into the Premiership next season. Well, I hope so anyway. And can I bring up another point? I watched, I recorded BBC One last night and I watched the two games on Sky and the punditry and the two channels, they were dying for Kilmarnock to win the two times. So they went through. There was nothing, they never said, many of them said very much good about Dundee, which is... It happens to Dundee anyway, you know what I mean? It's, I can't believe you like Ali, Ali, you're watching yeah. that and, and you're seeing Chris Boyd's bias towards Kilmarnock. No way. Well, <laughs> as I say, I, I, I think we never got the, or they weren't given the credit during the game when we're playing the two games. You know, egging Kilmarnock to try and G them up or whatever, they're trying to. I thought the first, the first game at Dens did, did Andy Walker not give the man in a match award to Danny Mullen After the first game And was I'm trying to think who got it last night Lee Ashcroft maybe Yes So you know the, the Dundee players ah. I think you got, 
they got the credit they deserved They were excellent They bossed both games They won 4-2 in aggregate It could well have been more on aggregate I was actually surprised With the ease they won the tie With having seen both clubs during the season I thought it would be tight I really didn't see Dundee winning it You know, so easily uh, it's, it's good to be back after two se- just two seasons You know, I mean it's that's where you want to believe me. And you with the big boys playing your Rangers, your Celtic, your Hibs, your Aberdeen. You need to keep, there's you, a lot. You need to stop your strikers yeah. swinging in these chandeliers, though. That's a dangerous pastime, Ali. Have you seen this video? I, I thought he'd maybe learned his lesson, but I don't know. He's maybe had two or three sherbets and shandies, eh? Oh, listen, that's <laughs> the first striker I've seen swinging from a chandelier since Gordon Dale and Kirkcaldy. Oh dear, there's a, there's a lot of Gordon DL stories we won't go into But uh, thank you very much to Ali in Kilsaito 141951-1025 is the number you need to get involved And you could be on after the break And also to celebrate Glasgow being named as a host city We're inviting schools across Glasgow and the West To enter a once-in-a-lifetime chance to visit uh, to get a visit from the UEFA Euro 2020 trophy the iconic Henri Delaunay trophy has been visiting host cities across Europe and from the 1st to the 3rd of June it will be visiting locations in Glasgow our very own Stephen Mill will join Skillsy the official mascot at the winning school on Tuesday the 1st of June your class will have the chance to get a photo taken with the trophy before it sets off on its tour of iconic locations across the city visit Clyde1.com to find out how you can enter your class this is all thanks to Glasgow being a host city and the Scottish FA giving Glasgow schools the chance to have the trophy visit their school ahead of Scotland's huge summer of football coming up after the break we will give you the news of what Kilmarnock players are staying and what players are going Tommy Wright has revealed it and we'll tell you next You are the voice of Scottish football Call 0141 951 1025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Roger Hanna here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. In the first part, we were talking all about Kilmarnock's relegation, Dundee's promotion in that playoff last night. And we've had some breaking news come to us in the last few minutes, and it's to do with Kilmarnock and their playing squad for next season. Tommy Wright has been meeting his players today to talk about what players will be going, what players will be staying. Let's have a listen and hear what he said last night about uh, the playing squad going forward, and then we'll give you the news. I know I'll get the support of the board. It's not my future that I, I don't think needs to discuss tonight because I'm more concerned about the future of people that work in the background of this club and the people of the town. Uh, that's, that's, that's my concern tonight. My future will be sorted. Um, and I say we've got a, was a rebuild job. I think there's only four or five signed players now. One or two may have been getting contracts even if, I, if we went down. Uh, I might have to revisit that. Well, we can tell you what players have been offered contracts for next season. The ones, as we said earlier, that were already contracted for next season, Rory McKenzie, Alan Power, Aaron McGowan, Brandon Honstrup and Ennis Cameron, who signed a new deal today. The following players have been offered new deals. Mitch Pinnock, Greg Kilty, Kyle Lafferty, Ross Millen, Callum Waters and young Kyle Connell and Thomas Brindley. And in the article on their website, it says the following players are considering the next step in their career. Chris Burke and Kirk Broadfoot. The rest of the players in there will depart upon the end of their contract this summer. I'll pick out a few of those. Gary Dicker, Clever Dickamona, George Oakley, uh, Yusuf Malumbu, as we know, Aaron Tishbola, Nicky Kabamba, Danny Whitehall away as well. So it's a, a big, big rebuilding job for Kilmarnock. It is the Killy Cull, Andrew. Um, this is what happens when teams go down, teams of Kilmarnock's size go down. Um, they have to get rid of 
most of the high earners I'll be fascinated to see how they got on in contract talks With the likes of Kyle Lafferty You know, the, I think Simon the earlier caller was saying Oh, he, he might fancy a season in the Championship I tend to think Kyle Lafferty will have better offers around He's done very well, what's it, 12 goals in the second half of the season there for Kilmarnock I would think there would be teams in the Premiership in Scotland Maybe the Championship again in England Who would look at Kyle Lafferty after that spell of form he had at Kelly um, There's a lot of work to be done Even if those players, you know, the likes of You touched on Chris Burke and Kirk Broadfoot Guys, the other side of 35 Do they want a season in the Championship? Um, maybe they do Although maybe they see the next Move in their career Into a coaching career Something like that So those decisions Will need to be made But it's a very sore day For Kilmarnock And a lot of good players there Will be looking To pastures new I mean recruitment's obviously Going to be key This summer And they've not got it right In the past In terms of You look at guys That have left That they just haven't Replaced with the same quality Stephen O'Donnell Greg Taylor Scotland internationals there Stuart Finlay Of course left A few months ago as well So Tommy Wright's got A big job on his hands To make sure that he gets The right people in To get them straight back up Because it's not an easy task It, it does And you wonder now About the wisdom of Agreeing to sell Stuart Finlay when they did Could he have stayed to the end of the season You wonder about the decision You know, Eamon Brophy signed a pre-contract for St Mirren In January They could have kept Eamon Brophy to the end of the season But decided not to Decided to let him go to St Mirren On deadline day It is decisions like that On which you stand or fall And unfortunately for Kilmarnock They've fallen and they've fallen from a great height 01419511025 to get in touch or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB Jerry is a Celtic fan and co-winning that's given us a call but I think you want to talk about Kilmarnock is that right Jerry? Yeah yeah it is Andrew thanks um, I don't have any sympathy for Kilmarnock uh, going down because I think they've only got themselves to blame um, look at the players they've lost over the last couple of years since they finished third Jordan Jones Greg Taylor Stephen O'Donnell Eamon Brophy just mentioned there they've never replaced these guys properly and they've just kind of gone through the motions um, I never liked the fact that they gave Kirk Broadfoot a contract after he uh, abused James McLean as well against abuse now or maybe it's just foreign players that have to stand up to those standards but the main point is I want to talk about the fact that we can now get rid of these plastic pitches plastic pitches have got to go we've got Howland Ackes and we've got Kilmarnock out of the league let's have this vote we know it's 11 clubs have to vote in favour of it and only one against 11 to 1 is in our favour now to get rid of these plastic pitches they're not good for Scottish football they're not good for the players let's get rid of them this is our opportunity now oh, you, you phoned the wrong night Jerry. you need to phone in Fraser Wishart's in this show because he will he will stand square behind you on this topic and has spoken about it for many years um, you're right in terms of the vote 11-1 and it's now up to those 11 clubs um, plenty of people complain about the synthetic surface um, plenty of people don't like it But if the clubs don't like it Now is their chance to get rid of it I believe if it's an 11-1 vote Obviously Livingston would vote in favour But if all the other clubs say no Then Livingston have got 12 months To get rid of that surface And we'll be back to playing in grass In the top flight um, I, I Listen, I understand all the economic And financial arguments For having these surfaces I actually don't mind If you're talking about the likes of I think some of the clubs down the leagues that have them Montrose, Stenhouse Muir, community clubs They can get the kids in, they can train on them They're multi-use I understand why clubs like that Who pitch themselves as community clubs Have the synthetic surface But for me, you're either a community club Or you're a professional club And if we're trying to showcase our game Professional football At the top level in Scotland I don't think you can play it in these plastic pitches anymore 
Did you hear James McPake after the game, Roger, talking on the TV and he was talking about their successful record on artificial pitches yeah. this season and said that, uh, you know, maybe maybe John Nelms will, will put one down for me. I don't know whether that was said with a, his tongue in his cheek or not. I, but I think it was definitely, what is it, eight wins, two draws and one defeat in their 11 games and then the artificial surfaces. So, no, I think it was tongue deeply in his cheek. I don't think there's any chance of John Nelms putting in a pitch up there. But it wouldn't surprise me what Jerry said if, if we did end up um, having a vote this summer um, because you, you, there are a lot of people you know coming into our game the likes of Ron Gordon at Hibs Dave Cormack at Aberdeen who I think are sort of baffled by some of the things that have gone on in Scottish football before they arrived and it wouldn't surprise me if they were in the vanguard to get rid of these synthetic surfaces Jerry people talk about you know the, the community benefits the financial benefits of it I, I saw someone that worked for Livingston last night when the debate came up on Twitter saying that you know pe- people aren't thinking about them it's it's just a sort of selfish point of view can you see that side of the argument at all or for you is it just a case of you you need to get the rid of them it's end of story see the thing is that I'm from Airdrie originally and I, and I used to play on the wee five side pitches outside the stadium there Um so there are ways to do it. You know, clubs can make money and they can benefit the community. They can also still be professional clubs. Um, I just think it's a, it's a lame excuse, as Roger says. You know, you want to be a professional team, then you have professional standards all over the place. And, and these plastic pitches, you know, it's, I played in better AstroTurf pitches than seven of sides. You know, looking at some of these pitches at Livingston, Livingston's an absolute joke. You've seen the, the kind of black stones that they kick up some of the time. And even, they don't even get... Uh, Snowed off last year or rained off recently yeah, because yeah. you know so it's supposed to be all weather surfaces but they can't even take the bad weather so yeah I just I just think I I feel this is the opportunity now to get rid of them and the club should actually do something productive people complain about things not getting done in Scottish football get this done this is an opportunity to do it I mean I think Livingston have come out before and said that you know never have they said it's an all weather pitch they they, they don't say the benefit is the fact that you're able to, to play yeah. on it in all conditions and, and they have fought against that before but I mean they have talked about the other benefits but a lot of the, the arguments people seem to put out there Roger is that they think it's alright in the lower leagues they don't mind it there but they think it's just in the top flight of Scottish football that, that they would rather not see them yeah that, listen, that's what we're just saying just now when, when it says Jerry all weather down in the small print it says the wee asterisk and it says except Scottish winters so uh, uh, it doesn't surprise me that games are off I think you know games have been off in most of these surfaces over the years and listen I know all the arguments for it I can understand why the teams down the league think economically it's more viable for them to do it but if we're going to be serious about it look look at down south you know in the top four divisions in England they don't allow them there's I think Sutton United won the National League last week are coming up into the English Senior Leagues for the first time and are having to dig up their plastic pitch and put grass down so the English take it seriously we're fascinated to see if the top clubs in Scotland see this summer as the time to take it a bit more seriously well thank you to Jerry in co-winning 01419511025 is the number Karen in Lanark has dialed Karen what's on your mind tonight I think the one of my questions that's just already been preempted with regards to the plastic pitches synthetic pitches being an Aberdeen fan we seem to do quite well in them so it's maybe twofold if they get dug up for us but my other point was out of the 12 teams that will be starting the top tier next year only four are from the west of Scotland do you think that's just one of those things or does the panel think that it's maybe young players are getting a better of a chance than likes of the north and east of the country 
Well it's a, it's a very bad thing For Super Scoreboard Karen Because they're going to have to pay me An awful lot more in mileage Because rather than nipping down to Rugby Park I'll need to go to Dens Park And rather than nipping round to Hamilton I'll need to go to Tynecastle next season So it's going to cost Radio Clyde a fortune It's a disaster for, for them I'm afraid But mm-hmm. if we're being serious Scottish football is a meritocracy And if teams like mm-hmm. Dundee Beat Kilmarnock home and away They deserve to take Kilmarnock's place Um Interesting to see. I'm not. You're saying you're an Aberdeen fan. You're talking about youngsters getting a chance. But interesting oh. to see that Aberdeen team with that young Scott Brown that have signed and the young Declan Gallagher that have signed and uh, oh. some of those youngsters like Johnny Hayes and Niall McGinn and guys like Andy Considine next season. So well, that, that's the worrying thing. The three signings, uh, two have been thirteen, one's thirty-six. So I think Scott Brown will be good, partly for his experience and maybe to bring a lot of the young players. Going, but it's quite concerning watching a couple of the young players lose Ferguson, maybe yeah, going and I was going to ask bringing what, in older players. Will, will Scott Brown get the chance to play alongside Lewis Ferguson, or will he be gone this summer? If he goes, I hope he goes down south because I admire any young Scottish player that wants to play in England. I really admire them for their ambition to do that and have the confidence to think they can make it in that level of uh, football. But I think it's quite worrying times, uh, some of the Aberdeen fans, because we've got that £800,000 fullback that's still in loan to Atlanta and nothing's ever said about him. Oh no, so I think he'll oh, no, get rid of him, he's away back. Uh, we're getting 800000 back, though that'd be interesting. Oh well, yeah, that will be interesting, I would like to know that as well, Carl. No, no, Ronald Hernandez, he's away back and... Uh, mm-hmm. Well obviously Shea Logan Was released at the end of the season So the sort of young fullback options At the minute They are young men Calvin Ramsey uh-huh. Jack McKenzie People like that be interesting to see Whether they get A chance In the first team At the start of the season Or whether there are going to be More signings brought in By Stephen Glass Big Can summer for them A blend You know I think uh, That's maybe the, the, the reason They've brought Scott Brown in yeah. Maybe just to get that blend Of youth and experience And will the Aberdeen but, supporters Welcome him I always said you hated to play against him, but I, I would welcome him in my team. He plays, the- he, he plays with a bit of an edge, but I think it's something that Aberdeen have lacked. They've been quite soft, uh, the sort of mental side of the game. So if he can bring something like that to the club, I, I welcome it. Is that the hope, Karen, that you know the, the signings like Scott Brown and, and Declan Gallagher, they can be complemented by other guys that Stephen Glass is, is using them as the uh-huh. experienced ones to build a foundation there and can get some younger guys in and around them to, mm-hmm. to help the squad? Uh, but I think it's good looking at for the Edinburgh fans. You know, you've got an Ed- Edinburgh derby back now. You've got a Tayside derby. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good Aberdeen's point. Aberdeen's nearest is probably Dingwall, one of the nearest. So, you know, it can only be good for the economy and for the attendances and the finances of the club if they've uh, got the derby Absolutely, back, so there, it's, a very, it's a very good point you make because there will be, you know, there's bigger crowds when Hibs play Hearts. There's bigger crowds when Dundee played Dundee United. It'll be fascinating to see the crowds in the Championship when they play Kilmarnock four mm-hmm. times next season as well. So that is one of the one of the good points, if you like, of what happened last night. It's bringing back more derbies, more big occasions, and hopefully spark more interest in the game. Yeah, that's a bit of spice, doesn't it, as well? Because it seems as if now every Saturday on Super Scoreboard next week we'll be talking about a, a derby game whether it's the Old Firm whether it's uh, yeah. uh, you know the Edinburgh derby whether it's a, a Dundee derby you'll have ones in the Championship it, it looks as if there's going to be a good few fixture cards Yeah and listen it'll be an interesting Championship next season as well because Kilmarnock are down into it Hamilton are down into it Partick Thistle are up 
into it And it was a very competitive league anyway You saw how well Wraith Rovers and Dunfermline did get into those playoffs Inverness will want to go again under a new manager United will go again because you know David Hopkins not long in there And they'll be inspired by having Kilmarnock four times next season too well, thank you to Karen and Lana. Call one four one nine five one one zero two five if you want to get involved. Another thing I wanted to touch on: uh, Roger Celtic uh, announcing that their pre-season training camp is going to happen at the start of July. They're going to Wales. It'll be a nine-day camp at the beginning of July. They're scheduled to play three games. I think two of those have been announced: one against Bristol City, one against Charlton. Uh, one yet to be confirmed. They'll then head up. Back up to Glasgow Where they'll play Preston and West Ham Either side of Champions League qualifiers And I think The response to that From a lot of Celtic fans Will be You know Thank goodness it's not Dubai <laughs> Well that'll be the first one Yeah and the second one will be You know Good we've got this in place But it, it would be nice To get a manager in place as well Since the first game Is going to be 43 days from now Yeah of course It would be good to get a manager in As we said at the top of the show Andrew There's about nine clubs In the SPFL Saying the same thing at the minute It would be nice to get a manager in Um I'm pretty sure it'll be anyhow I'm pretty sure they're just trying to get all their ducks in a line In terms of who his snuff's going to be His coaches, his backroom team They all carry enormous backroom teams now Between sports scientists and nutritionalists And analysts and video people And Of course, Celtic are putting a different structure in Below Dominic McKay It looks as if they'll be a director of football And a head of recruitment So I imagine Celtic are Working away feverishly in the background So that when it is announced There's a whole raft of appointments announced I was born with elimination from the, the Championship playoffs at the weekend Maybe the final bit of red tape that they had to get through well, before well, Yeah, listen, possibly possibly. I think um, for a couple of reasons I think that was an important thing I don't think it's a bad thing for Celtic That Bournemouth's season is now over In terms of being able to make approaches For perhaps some of Eddie Howe's former staff That he would like to be reunited with But I, I don't read too much into it I can't imagine... You know, a couple of coaches from coming up from Bournemouth to Celtic is going to make or break this deal. I think it's a case of they just want everything in place before the deal is announced. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five is the number you need. Give us a call now, and we could be speaking to you next. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Roger Hanna here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Let's hear from Scotland Under-21 coach Scott Gemmell, shall we? He announced his latest Under-21 squad today, but he's been speaking about Billy Gilmore, Nathan Patterson and David Turnbull and the impact he thinks they can have at the Euros this summer. Steve's obviously put them in there because he feels that they can be part of it. Um, that That's a question for Steve and obviously a, a big balance between... Uh, getting the squad selection correct, getting the team selection correct. Um, we, we all trust uh, trust Steve to to. He's shown he, he's very good at that. He's got us into this position uh, moving forward. Um, the same as everybody else, looking forward to the games and hoping that the performances can be as strong as we all hope. To all the age groups, from the 1917s all the way down 17, uh, 16s and the performance schools as well. Um, you know the fact that. That they've been referenced in the in the, the development of these players is also really there's so much good work going on. The the coaches don't at that level don't get the credit that they deserve, but they've they're the ones that have really helped these players get in this position, working with them day in day out. Scott Gemmell's worked closely with with all three of them in previous squads. Seems pretty confident that 
you know, they're not just there in the summer to make up the numbers. Yeah, I think he's absolutely right. Otherwise, uh, they wouldn't be in the squad. I don't think sentimentality is uh, high on Steve Clark's list of qualities. Um, he only picks players that he thinks can do a job for him. And that's why Patterson, Gilmer and Turnbull all made the cut in the 26-man squad last week, Andrew, because, you know, Steve Clark, he's not just taking them along to carry the bags. He's taking them along because they could be involved in these three games. And if they show up well in training... He won't hesitate, I don't think, to, to involve him. I mean, it's three guys that have been playing, although some more than others. David Turnbull's obviously played more minutes yeah. than the other two this season, but all been playing at a high level, whether it's European football, whether it's, um, you know, that Billy Gilmore's going to be in a squad for a Champions League final yeah. this weekend. Yeah, and it, it's good. You see the squad now. You know, we've got Scott McTominay in a Europa League final tomorrow night, Billy Gilmore potentially in a Champions League final. Um, you've got players... The likes of Andy Robertson, who, who's won the Champions League. Kieran Tierney, who's been playing in Europe for Celtic and now for Arsenal. Um, John McGinn finished the season very strongly for Aston Villa. Um, so we can go in with a degree of confidence. And I think Steve Clark now, he'll, he'll be itching to get away with the squad on Thursday. I think they fly out to Spain to the training camp, send over the border into to Portugal for the game against the Dutch. And then the excitement really begins because these two... Preparatory games Let's not call them friendlies Against the Dutch Against Luxembourg You might see A first cap for Patterson And for Gilmer And for Turnbull In those games Just to sort of Get them involved With the rest of the group And These three group games Will be upon us Before we know it I mean it does seem like A perfect opportunity Just to get them involved Steve yeah. Clark can get them Out on the pitch See what they can do And it gives them The opportunity to to really, you know, change his mind if, if he's maybe not thinking of giving them too much game time One of them Absolute, might just spark absolutely. something in his head That all of a sudden, when it comes to the game On the 14th of June against the Czech Republic yeah. They could be in that starting lineup. Absolutely, and you never know, you know I, I think we've been unlucky with injuries You know, Ryan Jack, Kenny McLean Ollie McBurney, Ollie Barco missing out um, If anything was to befall, you know, Stephen O'Donnell Nathan Patterson better be ready to play Likewise if anything was to befall a, a McTominay or a Callum McGregor Billy Gilmer will need to get ready to play And and David Turnbull You know you see Every obstacle that's put in front of David Turnbull He seems to clear it You know he get in the Motherwell team And was suddenly Motherwell's main man Moved to Celtic eventually Get into the Celtic team And he was Celtic's main man Come the end of the season So you wouldn't hesitate If he shows up well To get him in and involve him I was just having a look at um, Scott Gemmell's squad as well that he's picked for the next round of, of yeah. under-21. Some really interesting the selections in there. I want, you, I want to hear you pronounce this. Ewan Urine. Oh. I hope it is, because that's what I've just said on air. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a, a, a six-foot-four striker. Yeah. Seems to be doing very well. Scott Gemmell saying today that, having spoken to him, it seems as if he's ready to sign a, a new long-term yeah. contract with Bill Bow. So they, they clearly rate him highly. So that'll be an interesting one, especially with Fraser Hornby now having moved on from yeah. that age group. They, they need someone to take over the, the mantle of being the, the number one striker. And, and, and you look at some of the clubs as well. Even you know young guys who are not necessarily getting into the first teams at clubs, but when you look at, you know, Fiorini and Slicker from Manchester City in the under-23 set up there and playing, um, the young lad from Liverpool who they've drafted in who's been playing under-23 football, you know, and is catching the eye of people at Anfield there, um, it, we're suddenly getting a bit of a feel-good factor, mainly because we've qualified for the Euros in the summer, mainly because, you know, there's a pathway for young players like Patterson, Gilmer and Turnbull, but also now, you look at the next generation, the ones below them, and we're not picking any more from English Championship or League One teams, you know, we're picking guys who are involved in the setups at very big clubs. 0141 951 1025 is the number you need. Next up, we're going to hear from 
A man called Alex Woodward Who has been described on the screen in front of me By the producer as the marathon man And you know what I, w- I was going to give you the big intro Alex But do you want do you want to tell us you, you can tell us the story of why our producer is calling you the marathon man It's a, it's a great story um, Well first of all hello and thanks for having me on It's good to use this platform to help raise donations and awareness for what I'm doing So I appreciate that No worries at all um, Yeah so basically what happened is To cut a long story short because um, I'm not short for time is last year, 2020, I was diagnosed with a six centimetre tumour on a nerve in my lower back. Um, it took loads of MRI scans, CT scans, biopsies for me to find out that luckily it wasn't cancerous. However, the doctors did recommend to operate to remove it, but the consequences of that operation would result in loss of function in my right leg, so I wouldn't be able to walk. So with this news, uh managed to negotiate with them to get an MRI scan every six months instead. And if the tumour doesn't progress, then I won't have to go down that route. But in that period of time when I thought I would lose the function, I just started training like crazy. And I've come up with a challenge of an RAFC to run from Hamden to Wembley, which is the equivalent of 50 marathons in 15 days, and I arrive at Wembley the same day Scotland play Ireland on the 18th of June. Wow, that is uh, that is some task, Roger. Well, uh, listen, Ali, I I doff my hat to you. I can only wish you very well. Um, I hope you raise the fifty thousand target. It really is for a very good cause. But and we can only wish you well. I was going to say, you know, running forward, going forward as well, in, in your own health battle, it, it, it's going to be a terrific achievement if you do it. And what a day it would be in June the eighteenth if, if you get victory and get your fifty thousand pounds for charity, and Steve Clark can somehow get victory as well down there. Yeah, well, 100%. I don't like that word, if. We need to change that. <laughs> no, listen, it's if for Scotland. It's when for you, Ali. When you get exactly. there. No, that's it. But, I mean, the main reason I'm doing it is not many people go into hospitals and are told they've got six-centimetre six tumours and they're also told that, right, just don't live your life. I mean, I'm mainly doing it for the many people that weren't as lucky as me and did have to go for life-changing surgery and had to go through chemotherapy and things like that. So I'm kind of, I kind of owe it to them, so... It's a good cause and it's for Fanati FC. We're trying to build a community centre in Glasgow Green. So, I mean, regardless of the health, that's all the motivation you need. Um, because this community centre is basically to target underprivileged kids in the Glasgow area and the East End area. So, the, the, it's, the run's bigger than me, bigger than Fanati. It's, it's for the whole community. So, it's easy to be motivated to do it. So, I'm going to smash it. How did the idea come about, Alex? How, how did you decide that it was going to be hammed into Wembley? Well, um, to be honest, I was was going to Glasgow to London, and um, to be honest, I was going to do it around April time, but coronavirus and all the restrictions kind of stopped that, and Fanat actually came to me to do the plumbing in the community centre, because I have my own plumbing business, and I just said to him, listen, I'll go on better, I'll I'll raise the money for it, and then Scotland qualified for the tournament for the first time in 23 years, it almost just packed itself, and... so everyone just fell into place and it just, yeah, couldn't have worked any better. Have you worked out where you're going to be on the, the 14th of June when Scotland play their first game? Uh, well, do you know what? See the way I'm going? It's it's some of the most random villages you've ever heard of of your life. I'm, I'm going to be in a place called Sibson. Um, so I'm guaranteed you've never heard of that before. But it, I'm mainly just staying in like random B&Bs and things like that. So I'll have a paint on that day, definitely. <laughs> Well, we wish you all the best, Alex. Can you, you, you can give a, a shout out. How's how's the best way to donate? Well, 
if you if you Google name Alexander Woodward or you search Hamden to Wembley, but instead of two being T O, if you use the number two, so Hamden to Wembley, the just given page is there. So far we've raised fifteen thousand pounds, but it really is just the beginning. As I say, I can't think it's enough for giving this platform and Finar as well. I'm thanking them on behalf on behalf of them too as well. So really appreciate it and. Uh, if anyone listening donates, and again, thank you enough, and your money is going a long, long way. So, thank you. Great stuff. We wish you all the best. We'll have a wee tweet out later as well that we can put you in the right direction. I'll be in. Uh, I'll be in London as well for that one. So if I see Alex running past, I'll, yeah, I'll make sure to to buy him a drink. Get him a pint. I just hope he's uh, plotted his own course from Hamden to Wembley because if he's left it to Gordon Duncan and producer Callum, as the crow flies, he's probably going to be another two marathons for him. Oh, we don't need to start all that uh, that drama again. That was some uh, some real beat the pundit drama that that kicked off a few weeks ago. But I mean, I, I just feel tired listening to Alex there it's certainly not something <laughs> that, a, it's a that great, I'd be able to undertake it's a great challenge it'll be a great it'll be the adventure of a lifetime for him he will do it and he's hoping he reaches that £50,000 target and here we go it's just one of the many things that is going to get us excited for the Euros this summer not far away the Scotland squad will be joining up they've obviously got those friendlies coming up next week I think is a, a week tomorrow is the first one yeah. for them the squad meeting up at the end of this week lots of exciting things happening and uh, lots of exciting things on the show today as well thank you to everyone who called in Kilmarnock fans Dundee fans we'll be back again tomorrow night Gordon DL will be joining me in the studio and uh, I'm sure as usual we'll have many talking points that you can get involved in so make sure to join us then up next is Johnny Campbell